It's time to shed light on the over 30 million souls who enter a nightly battle with obstructive sleep apnea. Join award-winning board-certified otolaryngologist Dr. Mullen Kandula and best-selling author Jason Tierney in Out of Breath, a special six-part podcast series that will set the record straight on the topic of sleep medicine and dentistry. Let's dive in. The door hath been kicked open. I love kicking doors open. Yeah. Where does that come from? Um, I don't know. It's, it's genuine. It's just who I've always been. I, I think part of it comes from me just being, I've always, I never, in my life, I've never really kind of fit into that crowd. And so we talk about kind of the, the sheep and so forth and so on is like, you know, I just have, ne- there's been never in my life has there ever been a time where I can just sort of blend in and part of it is just, um, you know, my externality, meaning like I got brown skin and, you know, like basically, you know, I was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio and, um, you know, everybody around me was white. And so there's no way that for me to ever just blend in. And so on, on every, you know, sporting field in particular, I was always sort of, um, the outsider. Mm-hmm. And I actually, then, I, then I, and, and the more I think about it, I think part of it comes from that. So I played soccer and hockey and baseball and hockey in particular, soccer to some extent. Um, I don't know that there was a game that went by that somebody didn't say something to me about me not being, mm-hmm. you know, basically back in the day, I grew up in the seventies is, you know, I've had the N word, you know, said my way more than I probably anybody else around that is certainly that I know. And mm-hmm. so it was sort of, um, you know, I think when you're young and that's happening, then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm different. And, you know, I think that's part of it. And then it's just sort of living my life knowing that I'll never be able to fit in. Um, but then also living my life knowing, I think the back to like, what are we doing? Why is Advent doing what we're doing? Why am I doing, you know, that on behalf of Advent, there's something that we do that, um, makes profound differences for people. And, um, the system beneath which I work is so profoundly broken that it makes me want to kick doors open. It makes me want to do everything I can, uh, to help those people that are there. Mm-hmm. And it's genuine. I mean, and, and, but, it, but, 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 but part of it comes from that mindset. And then part of it actually does come back to, to DIY punk rock, um, you know, have metal to some extent, but basically there's, there's sort of the outsider culture, um, that have always gravitated to, I always, and, and, and I feel like there's a bit of an enigma about me because, and we've talked about this. I'm, I don't look like, um, I used to love goth music as a specific example. I never wore black eyeliner. I never did all the things. I mean, I, lo- I like, I used to love punk rock. I never had a, you know, um, a, uh, whatever, leather jacket. You didn't and, have and a mohawk. A mohawk, but yeah. now you love Taylor Swift and you wear cardigans. Exactly. So they're see, evolving. I'm, I'm constantly in evolution. I feel like, uh, you know, that's, which is good. I mean, so I, 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 uh, I feel like Taylor Swift, it, given my story arc, I feel like, like Taylor Swift is, is a uh, unusual direction for me sure. to go. We'll see if I stick there, but yeah. so far so good. So you've evolved, you're evolving. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a moment ago that the system is broken. We've talked about that in some detail previously. Right. So what is going to happen? What is going to change? What needs to change? What needs to change and how is it going to change? You've got your crystal ball. Yeah. Well, everything needs to change. Okay. And 
how it's going to change is not without disruption, or let me state it again, with disruption. I mean, the only way for anything to change in regard to sleep apnea in particular is for the current system to be disrupted. Any other pathway, there is, there is no pathway forward um, with the various tribes that exist within this community. And there isn't any possibility. We've talked about, you know, sort of there's been meetings with dental sleep folks and sleep med folks, and they'll usually throw an ENT in there just to kind of add a little spice or whatever you want to call it. And, and that's nice to come together, but everybody goes back to their tribe and everybody puts their head down and everybody continues to do what they do and nothing actually changes. Uh, nobody's actually helped through that and everybody knows it. Um, and, I, and, and, and so you can continue to mindlessly repeat these meaningless uh, acts or you can decide to do something different. But I, I don't, I mean, just to be you know frank, I'd say, do, is there a pathway? Let me just go you know, sort of tribe by tribe, you know, dental sleep medicine much better than I do. Um, you would agree that dental sleep medicine, there, there's a massive opportunity within that field. I mean, it's it, huge. It, huge. Agreed. Is there any way to unlock that potential between, you know, what's the, those that are getting served? Meaning that if nothing else changed right now in the dental sleep medicine community, what would it, what would allow that that potential to be reached? Yeah. So some of the impediments, mm -hmm. payer issues, sure. Uh, the 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 fact that the prescription has to come from a physician that only a physician can make the diagnosis of OSA. All of those things today impede progress. Okay. Well, if and I, I don't disagree. If all those things, if I had a magic wand, I made them go away. Well, what would, so, so if you, thank you. Yeah. If you had that magic wand and you made those things go away, the reason that I wrote that book, mm -hmm. Transform Dental Sleep, and I, and I mentioned this in the book, if you eliminate all of those challenges, which are real challenges, they are. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you eliminate all of those with that magic wand, most dentists will still be unsuccessful with with the inc significantly increasing the volume of patients so that they can impact their communities and the reason for that is because you know they oftentimes they lack the interpersonal relationship skills they lack the networking skills they lack the ability to incorporate to design develop and incorporate systems that are scalable that are reproducible across multiple locations so that they can really make a community impact sure those things wouldn't change so ultimately the onus is on the individual to change themselves to change their I mean, to change who they are mm -hmm. and I, I think you would probably say that over the course of your life, it's been an evolutionary process. You've changed and you've become the person you are that's uh, persistent, that has grit, that's resilient, that's forward thinking. Yes? I hope so. <laughs> you know, I'm hope, I hope I'm evolving and not devolving. But I, yeah, I would say, I would agree. And I think, at least in my career, all of the things that you mentioned are things that I have chosen to take on as a challenge. I mean, like, you know, we, we talked about Advent being this 
it's a large practice and we've, we're 17 clinics and we're in four states. Um, we started with one practice and that practice was my wife and myself. And we were that way for 10 years, a single office. And um, I'm as proud of that era as I am of the current era. Uh, I just have a different purpose now than I, I did back then. But I think the things that I've been working on trying to figure out, scale is a word that probably doesn't come up very often um, in, it didn't, I never heard of the word in, in medical training. It just doesn't exist. I'm sure the same in, in dental training. Uh, you don't need to be taught some of these things. You can go find the information and you could say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. And, you know, again, I mean, I think that's an example of, let me go this way. Without, and for those that don't know, scale is reproducibility, is the ability to take processes, if, you, if, if it's about processes, and being able to implement them in multiple locations. So I think there are a lot of people who don't even know, don't know what that word is. So just so we're all clear, um, that is, a, just to be, uh, uh, that, a, that is the solution for the current problem, whether it's within dental sleep medicine, sleep medicine, um, ENT, you name it. Uh, the solution is there has to be options. There have to be options that are scalable, uh, processes that are scalable. And if you don't have that, there is, there is no ability, in my opinion, to actually make a change. So and then I'm, you know, again, I don't want to make this all about me and uh, what we're doing, but I'd say, that's all that we're trying to do. All that we're trying to do, all that I'm trying to do is create scalable processes. Uh, and we just so happen to include oral appliance therapy in that. Um, now my processes, I don't know that they would work for, uh, you know, the typical dental sleep medicine practitioner. Cause we have, uh, we have some unique skill sets. There's things that we do that they typically can't do. And that's fine. I mean, I think they're, I mean, meaning it's fine, um, to figure it out on your own, but, and, and then just to kind of jump to a different flock, which is sleep medicine. I don't, I, I'm curious, what is your opinion of, of, do you have an opinion of sleep medicine as a specialty? Only that it's, you know, that there are whatever, 7,000 board certified sleep doctors. Mm -hmm. It's, it, 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 there's a dearth of them and not enough to cover the, the need. Right. And those that are there, how do you say this? We, we talked about this. Most people in that community, when we think, when they think about sleep apnea, think of what option? Of CPAP. CPAP. It's CPAP or nothing else. Um, so is there a pathway in that community? Could they be the change that the world needs? Could they solve? So we, I mean, the problem, so everybody's clear, the problem is, is there are a lot of people out there who have what we call breathing triangles that aren't working, then uh, there are the ability for those folks to connect with resources. And so we talked about the dental sleep um, medicine community and whether, what's the solution there? I guess, I think we, maybe concluded or thought that, you know, figuring out a scalable process to be able to grow um, the reach and impact of dental sleep medicine, maybe a pathway forward. For the sleep medicine community, is there, is there a pathway there? I mean, that you know of, I know it's a little bit, you know, I know you're very familiar with dental sleep medicine sure. and maybe more peripheral with uh, sleep medicine. Yeah, you, you tell me. I'll t I mean, I, and I'm not a part of that community myself, but I, you know, but I'm a physician, so I'd say, uh, no, definitively no. And I yeah. say it the way I said it because um, that is the, if we talk about scale as sort of something that, that you want to work towards, sleep medicine is, is medicine in general and sleep medicine specifically is one of the least scalable um, 
specialties within medicine. There's nothing, nothing about it that, um, you know, is made to scale other than maybe we have, um, home sleep testing, which has been, been around for a while. That was very disruptive to that mm-hmm. industry. Um, and we're on the other side of that disruption where most insurance companies actually require or recommend home sleep testing versus in-lab testing. So if you want to talk about a sea change, that was a sea change. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, that's a sea change toward the, bo- the toward the positive. There was technology that was developed that actually made the old technology, I wouldn't say obsolete, but much less necessary. And so sure. theoretically... Um, because people can get tested at home, that should open the, the the doors wide towards people getting tested. And I really haven't seen that. I have not seen that because we are, I think at the core thing that I think the thing we're getting to is dental sleep medicine or sleep medicine. It comes back to, to people and really it comes back to clinicians and clinicians aren't trained to think to scale. They're trained to think about individual patients that they're treating and it almost breaks their minds to try to think scale. Like it, it just, it doesn't compute. I don't, don't, it doesn't work that way. So sleep medicine, I, I don't really see a pathway forward um, there. So we're kind of striking out. Is there any other so, flaw? Yeah, I mean, is there any way to inject scalability there? Um, honestly, no. And in a way, I keep saying it the way I'm saying it. <laughs> so it's like, why is he using that tone in his voice? It's, it's the, I, I, in medicine, there are, we talked about this before, there's surgeons and there are medical doctors. And medical doctors are surgeons. There is, uh, they, we, we are proce- we're taught about process and, and we're process driven and we're solutions driven. And so we, we tend to, I think scale for me is something I was able to learn because I was like, oh no, that's just, that's like, I do this operation, I do, you know, this, these three steps and if I can hone them down and teach them to somebody else, I've just scaled. Now that's that's the first step in, in scale. Medicine is the opposite. It's like there's no process. Everything is unique. Everything is its own. Like you know, oh, this is a unique individual, and there's you know, we're going to treat them individually. And and the mindset is not conducive to um, to scale. So I actually definitively would say uh, a dental mindset because dentists are trained as surgeons. I mean, they're they're surgeons of the mouth, and so dentists and and other people who are trained in processes are much more likely to be the solution than those that are just not so i i basically i would abandon all hope um for the sleep medicine community um by itself to 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 solve the problem so all hope is lost all hope is lost um here my last attempt at could there be some hope in in my community which is the anti-community and what do you what do you know about the anti community? Like, what is that? We talked about these other two flocks. Is that? And I know you're an outsider to that community, but I'm kind of curious to hear what what the outsider perspective is. Yeah, yeah, not a whole lot. Yeah, and we don't. I mean, how how do you say? It? How um, where on the radar screen does ENT come up in dental sleep? Like, is it something? I mean, I know I've sort of brought it up on the radar screen, but prior to, uh, let me go there. I think prior to. Um, Advent prior to my name kind of getting bantered or bantered around, um, I think Inspire was something that's that's sort of caught some buzz. And I, from what I hear, um, there's sort of similar chatter around Inspire is uh, you know what has existed uh, in, in in you know very similar to what what the chatter is around me. Uh, although just with with frankness, we do not as a practice um, 
Inspire is not a service line. We don't offer that. We could. It's something we've looked at. It just doesn't fit with what we're trying to do. We're trying to do office procedures to help people. Inspire is not that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I mean, I think Inspire is something that, um, I, I, from what I've heard, I feel like dental sleep, I feel like people have been uh, uh, scared of Inspire here. I mean, let me go, go the analogy. Inspire is a direct-to-consumer marketing company yeah. that talks about CPAP alternatives. Yeah, no, I think that's, that that analog is is pretty accurate. Yeah, and to that I would say, I mean, I've talked with dentists about their fears surrounding Inspire. Yeah, and my view of it is that you know there are many patients that are precluded mm-hmm. from from Inspire, sure, uh, due to comorbidities or whatever it might be. And m- so my thought is that the dentist should go to those Inspire clinics or those clinicians and forge a relationship yeah because what's going to happen with these patients that are where where inspires contraindicated right well potentially uh an, an oral appliance and and as a result of that i mean you may have a new referral source mm-hmm. um or you can look at it and say they're spending all this money and they're stealing all of the patients yeah does that sound like anything you've heard before? Well, I've heard that before. I mean, it's so sort of ridiculous at face value um, because of what you said. I mean, most people who are interested in Inspire, well, let me start there. Everybody who's interested in, in Inspire is somebody who is looking for a CPAP alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may or may not have tried CPAP, but they're looking for a CPAP alternative. Uh, almost every one of those individuals who is looking for a CPAP alternative is actually looking for, if they're talking about the throat part of things, is looking, would re- much, if they knew about oral appliance therapy and they understood what Inspire actually is, they would choose oral appliance therapy over Inspire every day of the week. Sure. I, in fact, I'd go to say, I don't think there's a single person who would choose Inspire um, when there is a viable possibility that oral appliance therapy might work. Because you would have to be, unless they're whatever it is, sadistic or masochistic, um, unless you uh, want to go through an invasive surgery, um, you know, for a, for a throat condition um, versus an oral appliance. I mean, I don't know, you know it just doesn't make any sense. So, sure. so I, I, that's, that's what I would say. Yet, um, Inspire, in, a, in many ways, sort of, uh, I'm trying to use my words carefully here, they, they prey upon those individuals who are looking for CPAP alternatives uh, with the hope that they can get them into Inspire. We'll jump over oral appliance therapy. We'll jump over the nose um, you know, to get them there. So I don't think they're you know, devious people. I'm just saying that that's, you know, they're, they're approaching the same market, but they're doing it in a different angle. Mm-hmm. And they, it, it, who's impl- who does the Inspire implants? ENTs doing the in- Inspire implants. Um, you know, and I have nothing against those ENTs who are doing that. I think, I, again, I, I'm a fan and I'm an advocate for anybody who's providing, who's providing good service within this breathing triangle space, um, whether it's me or anybody else. So there are people who, there are many people who are being helped by, by having Inspire done. Um, all of those individuals should have awareness of alternatives to Inspire. Oral appliance therapy is the most likely alternative. And I would put this on the doorstep of the dental sleep medicine community um, to be the champion. Exactly what you just said. There's an opportunity in every community where somebody's um, you know, doing Inspire for dental sleep medicine to take the initiative to get in front of those docs mm-hmm. to say, you know, hey, do, do you know about oral appliance therapy? Do you understand what, you know, what it is? And though, so forth and so on. And um, now you, you might get some doors closed in your face. You know, you might be pe- pe- people who say, I don't go away. Mm-hmm. 
deal with it. I mean, I've had many doors slammed in my face and I've sure. been told to go away many times, including by you. But um, regardless, I'd say there, there's, there's sort of this um, uh, unnecessary uh, angst uh, about Inspire. But, you know, back to my flock, I'd say Inspire is one thing that ENTs do. But man, uh, if I could uh, educate my colleagues to simply have a greater awareness and appreciation for nose and throat conditions like sleep apnea, and in, in, we don't we haven't talked about it much, but and um, do the simple things that we can do as a specialty to let people breathe better through their nose, so that um, they can breathe better. Period. And if they have sleep apnea, so that they can use a CPAP properly or use an oral appliance uh, properly. That's something that would literally, in my opinion, change the world. So I believe that the change that is the, the only, this is going to sound really weird because I feel like we're such a small niche, especially, I believe the only pathway to truly create the future that I think needs to exist has to come from the ENT space. That's a bold mm. statement. It's a come at me if you feel differently, but... Um, that's, how, that's what I believe, because I, I think, and why do I believe that? Well, you have a surgical specialty who looks, they're looking to get results. Um, they theoretically <laughs> um, uh, understand and appreciate the nose and throat, which is exactly the area that was, where we're looking to achieve the results, um, and can forge relationships with, with dental sleep medicine and the sleep medicine community to allow that to happen. Um, so I think the ENT space is where it can happen. Unfortunately, my colleagues uh, don't know scale either. We were never, they were never taught scale. Um, they actually are happy, do, happy doing ENT in the way that it was done 20 or 30 years ago. They don't want to do office procedures. Um, they don't want to deal with oral appliances, even, even to send them, you know, to a dentist, uh, you know, they don't, they don't want, it's, it's a bother. And, and so I think honestly, that's where it can come from. Um, but it isn't just going to happen, you know, by happenstance. Um, and there, every, every one of those camps has vested interests though. I mean, they're, they're definitely, um, you know, people are looking out for themselves a lot of times when they think about how they approach patients. So sleep, dental sleep. ENT, yeah. and an inability to scale is the issue. People. People are the issue. You know, meaning people, either flocks of people or individual people. When I say people, I really, I specifically mean clinicians. I mean dentists. I mean physicians um, are specifically to blame for this condition. And I, and I believe, and again, the, what's the condition? The condition is we have a, an airway crisis in this country and nobody is doing anything meaningful about it. And so where I put the most blame is on the ENT community, my community. And I put the blame on myself because I'm part of that community. Like I'm in that flock. And so I'm to blame. So basically I would say people are to blame. Uh, what people, all of the people we mentioned, well, can you be more specific? Well, the ENT community, okay, great, more specific. Uh, the person who's talking right now is to blame for the problem. Uh, and. I'm trying to do, I'm going to do whatever I can do about it that I can. Um, but even if I do everything that I can do, it's never going to be enough. You know, so we, you know, that, that can be very sort of um, nihilistic potentially. Like, man, what's pessimistic. pessimistic? I don't know. You could, you could banter those words around, but it, it's a, uh, isn't that depressing? You know, I guess we're kind of in a, this is sort of feel like, oh man, this all sucks. We just said we got this problem. There's no solution. Um, and uh, man, it's it's all bad news, but it's not though, is it? When you look at the big picture, yeah. you know, you look at you look at the the space time continuum. Okay, forty years ago, uh -huh. 
OSA was essentially unrecognized. Yep. 20 years ago, PAP was, you know, in that, in that same space. 10 years ago, you were, uh, you had one office with just your wife, oral appliance therapy was still made, you know, all, all the devices were still made by hand at a bench. Right. Now you've got 3d printing, you've got milling, the devices have come a long way. Yeah. Um, so you can see that the, the, the processes are evolving. Yeah. So there's some hope there. There is hope. What will 20, what will it look like 20 years from now? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's the, I mean, we, I feel like we've sort of, I don't know we've dwelled on the negative, but I think there's, um, you know, there is a, a significant gap that exists between, um, current reality and the hopeful possibility for where things are at, but kind of what, what you were just saying. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did sleep apnea exist 50 years ago? Yeah, it did. What happened to people who had it and we didn't have a diagnosis for them? Well, they, they died. They died of a heart attack. They died of a stroke. They died of, you know, some, you know, sort of resultant comorbidity from the sleep apnea, but we didn't know about it. So I'd say in my lifetime, basically in my lifetime and in our lifetime, um, there was, you know, a time where everybody who had this condition uh, suffered with it and some of them died from it. And then we went, moved to an era where we have now, hey, we got this diagnosis now. There's this thing that happens to people that they stop breathing and they're sleeping at night, their throat shuts down. Oh, interesting. Um, and then literally when I was in med school and going through my ENT training is where the you know, CPAP started to become more known as a thing. And this is the era where uh, greater awareness happened. Nobody would have, nobody um, sort of back in the 80s, no common person would have ever, uh, sleep apnea is not a, in the vernacular. In in the 90s and 2000 is where it's like, oh, sleep apnea is a thing. And that's also where CPAP is a thing. So all of a sudden we have, now we can test people to understand what the, what this condition is. Now there's a treatment. It's a gold standard treatment. Um, unfortunately, you know, the gold standard is, is, problematic. I mean, basically what's the problem with CPAP? I'm, I'm trying to accentuate the positive, but I'm also commenting on the negative is problem with CPAP is many people look at the treatment as worse than the problem. So if you are, if you have sleep apnea or you snore, um, you have something you don't want to have. Then you look at the solution, which is, is CPAP and you'd say, geez, I'd rather have my problem than that thing. Sure. That's the truth. But still a lot of people went up, you know, you know, went, went, ended up going through it. And, and instead of, um, sort of a one way ticket to, to, to go in horizontal, those people were treated. Uh, and you know, they don't, you don't know the alternative reality, but many of those individuals, uh, their lives were pr prolonged, their lives were, were, were enriched. And then we moved to oral appliance therapy era, um, which relatively speaking, honestly, given the scalability of these, of these new appliances, um, we're really, that's at its infancy. So as much as we kind of, and I did it too, as much as we denigrate and say, God, 5%, man, that's horrible. 5% is certainly much greater than it was 20 years ago. And sure. same thing with CPAP, you know, there's been some, um, you know, movement in a forward direction. So it's going from nothing, you know, zero to one is the hardest step in the world. And, and, you know, so on the, to accentuate the positive, I'd say, well, maybe, maybe all this is we've got some momentum going and, uh, we got these various camps. Uh, we have this condition that's really relatively new. We have these treatment options that are really relatively new. We have technology that's continuing to advance. Um, so, you know, it's not going to just magically transform itself to, you know, the panacea, but I think we can say if, if, if we follow that arc and there are some significant um, events 
that cause um, some some significant movement or adoption that the future is bright or not, or is it dark? You tell me. I think uh, I think we've seen it's evolving and it's moving in the right direction, just slower than than we'd like. Than we'd like. But thankfully, there's some good people out there. You, Advent, a lot of my uh, dental sleep friends that are really making an impact in their communities. Yeah. And uh, hopefully some people will hear this and it'll give them the bug. Yeah. And uh, they'll go forth and do good as well. I mean, I would love nothing more than that, honestly. I mean, again, you know, kind of back to your book. And I mean, to me, that's a, it seems to be a central tenet there. And I believe it. I mean, it's, I mean, I know you wrote it, but I believe that concept is that, you know, all of these things, these, these big problems, you can, you could sit here on the ground and stare up there and like, oh, that problem's really big. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's really, it's bumming me out. And that guy, he looks like he's going to, try to do something about that. And I'm going to be mad at that guy. What would it all you could, you could in your, you know, you can think all of those things or you can simply decide to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I don't think I'm going to get over there. You know, here, here's the place we want to go. I'm not going to be able to get there by myself. And you've been, the reality is you're not. Um, but we, we're not probably going to get there either, you know, uh, in our lifetime, but we can uh, help to be part of the, the trajectory that, that gets us there. You know, so when you're, you know, let's just call it the moon. If once you're, when you're standing, when Neil Armstrong was standing on the moon, it, he didn't, it wasn't Neil Armstrong that got him there by himself. Sure. It was all of the work that happened, you know, all going back through time, through the Wright brothers, through Da Vinci, you know, you go all the way back and you say, well, that's where it started. And, you know, I think the same, th but, but two things, one is, isn't it amazing that a human uh, species put a person on the moon? That's crazy. Um, and then you go, well, how did that happen? Well, it was individuals taking individual action, ownership and action over, over their um, sphere of influence. That's what caused that. And, you know, I think very much the same in this situation with sleep apnea, with um, these various factions. I, you know, honestly, I feel like it's going to be this will happen if individuals decide to make a choice. And the choice is um, a, a, a choice of purpose, a choice of working towards something versus against something. And uh, I have no reason to doubt. Uh, I don't I don't. I don't, just like I'm sure the Wright brothers didn't, I don't think the Wright brothers were bummed out that, that they weren't standing on the moon when they were working on their airplane. Sure. You know, I mean, I don't know what they thought, but they weren't like, man, this all sucks. And like, what is it worth? I think they thought, man, it'd be cool to fly. And, um, you know, so two brothers in Dayton, Ohio, my hometown, um, did something that everybody else said was impossible. And that was a DIY effort, by the way. The government had their own Indeed. thing going. That was an interesting yeah. story. But I guess where I'm going is that um, you can't sit around, stand around waiting for somebody else to solve the problems that you yourself can be part of the solution for. Um, well, you can. But I think if you're going to do that, you're going to live a life that's basically, in my opinion, worthless. And so if you want to have meaning in your life, if you want to do something that's worth doing, you have to set it upon yourself to do something, to take action, as you described in your book. And, um, you know, I, that's, that's my, you know, I, I know we're sort of finishing up here, but my parting words is simply that is, 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 is and again, I know it's hokey, but be the change that you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, as hokey as that is, um, there's massive truth there and anybody who, who's ever done anything worth doing, um, is encapsulated in that sentence. 
100% agree wholeheartedly. All right. But what? I'm out of breath. That's, I'm out of breath too. This has been, uh, it's been good. I yeah. think we've covered a lot of ground. Hopefully, uh, we'll see where, where this goes. I'm curious to see, you know, kind of how people, um, taken in and uh i honestly for me myself but i'll just speak for myself personally i'd love nothing more than to keep the conversation going whether it's with you or you know the dental sleep medicine community or the medical community or the ent community or you know certainly all the people out there who are um you know dealing with these uh conditions um talk is cheap on one hand but talk is 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 what you know sort of uh solves can set the stage for action for absolutely sure. yeah. absolutely tear down walls bring some of these flocks together, um, do what needs to be done. So, Beautiful. Excellent. Thank you. Thank thanks, you. For, thanks for making it happen. I appreciate it. And until uh, next time.